It's the Win Daily Podcast with your host, 12-time live DFS championship qualifier, four-time defending fantasy pros home run champion, the beast himself, Jeremy Muntradamis Munter. Welcome to the Win Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Muncher Domus. It is Monday, May 6th. I'm joined once again by the weather guru himself, Mark Parquet. But before we bring Mark on, I want to introduce you to his new segment, which will be a daily part of the Win Daily DFS Podcast. Drip Drop. We make that thing go. Drip Drop. Good evening, this is Mark Parquette, and this is Drip Drop as we go around the MLB schedule looking for weather trouble spots or any bumps up for batters or bumps up for pitchers. So looking at the nine-game schedule, we have two trouble spots in terms of rain. They're both in the Midwest, St. Louis and Chicago. The Cubbies looks like won't be rained out, but I could see a delay because there's going to be some showers and thunderstorms moving through the area. St. Louis looks like more of a steady rain. That's the game to look at in terms of delays. I mean, excuse me, a potential postponement. Um, Pay attention to me on Twitter, DFS MLB Weathered, and I will be keeping you update as we get closer to game time there. In terms of weather that's favorable for batters, I see a nice warm game in Houston. The, The roof should be open and the ball should be carrying there. And let's see, Toronto, the dome will be closed. That's always a good place for hitters. In Milwaukee, the dome will be closed as well, and that's a good place for hitters. In terms of favorable for pitchers, we got some two California games in San Diego and in Los Angeles, and those parks generally, especially at night, are good for pitchers. So look for the pitchers to do well there. Um, That's it for me in Drip Drop. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Parquet. And to be quite the duo doing this a couple times together where we get a good report going on. Yeah, I'm surprised there's not like a weatherman analyst combo already that's technically doing this stuff all the time. We'll, we'll keep that trend trending up. Yes, yes, we will. All right, well, we'll be back with Whipping Around the Infield. It's whipping around the infield. We're going to start right away in Baltimore, where Andrew Kashner is facing Hector Velasquez. Refused to name Velasquez an opener, though he doesn't go more than three, possibly four innings. Uh, looks like the bullpen will be used there. And we all know Baltimore's pitching staff's a garbage fire. Uh, and the Red Sox bats have heated up. You have to like the Red Sox bats here. Let's let's talk about Andrew Kashner for a second because he's got four wins on the season. That's double the amount of Blake Snell. Uh, Max Scherzer's only got one. Those are a couple pitchers we'll talk about later. But Kashner has more wins than all these guys. His last two starts, he dominated the White Sox both times. Is Kashner finally turning the page to be the prospect he was always meant to be? I don't. I'm not sold 100%. A, his last two starts against White Sox. Um, the White Sox struggle against – no, I'm mistaken. The White Sox struggle against lefties. Uh, they hit righties pretty well. Jeez. Uh, you're trying to 
sell me on Cashner here, and I'm starting to buy it a little bit. I mean, I, the first thing I saw, geez, Red Sox at Camden, their bats have scored a bunch of runs over the weekend. You have to like their spot, but maybe not so much. I'll tell you this. I, I'm as kind of a, throwing you a trick question there because I do like the Red Sox offense to come to life. Benintendi, uh, he could easily table set for that offense. Mookie took the day off Sunday, but I could see him coming out with some fire. J.D. Martinez is hot. Xander hit a grand slam on Sunday. Devers, the guy you were talking about the other day, he's getting hot. Maybe, maybe I was just I was just trying to make a little storyline here, and we should just stick with what you were saying that the Boston offense really should continue that momentum. Say that Cashner's not a safe option. If you want to go crazy in a GPP and make sure try to get seven innings, seven Ks out of him, sure, go for it. I don't see it happening, but I've seen stranger things. Stranger things like the show on Netflix. Let's keep it. <laughs> You've seen that one as well. All right, let's go to Toronto in the Dome where Marcus Stroman with a 2.20 ERA with only one win is hosting Martin Perez, who's 4-0 on the year. Stroman, that's a, that's a good thing that you mentioned him here. He seems like the ultimate run preventer so far this year. I know I rostered him a couple times right at the beginning of the season at DFS, and he was not dominant, but he was that's what he is, is that he's a good pitcher. He's not going to strike out double digits, and he's going to keep you in the ball game. The problem is the Twins can hit the ball, can't they? Hit the ball, but the problem really for Stroman is something you were talking about earlier. Once we get into the summertime, those AL East ballparks are going to turn into home run derby ballparks, and that ERA is sure to bump to around that 4.00 area. The other side of that, Martin Perez is a soft-topping lessee. Very soft. It looks like Vlad is finally starting to hit the ball a little bit. You like him at all? You know, for the price tag, which will probably be around the $2,700 range on FanDuel, I'm going to say he's definitely worth that price. But as far as... Is he the superstar that everyone's making him out to be? Of course, it's been a slow start. Do you still believe the hype in Vlad Jr.? Long term, I do. He, he is going to be one of the best players in Major League Baseball. But besides the Mike Trouts and Ken Griffey Juniors, what kind of players at 19 or 20 years old have come in and just dominated Major League Baseball right from the start? Even... Well, I mean, you could look at Juan Soto last year was pretty damn good right from the start, but there's not a ton of guys like that. You look at Mankata, who really struggled uh, with the Red Sox at first and then the White Sox for a year or two, and he's finally starting to hit the ball. But, yeah, it takes a, a generally a little bit for even blue blood prospects to, to, to live up to their hype. So maybe not an all-star this year, but I think he's a future all-star. Uh, future all-star, there it is. Once the Raptors, Toronto Raptors season ends and then Drake starts showing up at all the Blue Jays game, that's when Vlad Guerrero Jr. will turn it up to another level. And you, Drake, Drake brings the fire anywhere he goes. And now we're going to go to Tampa Bay where Blake Snell, who is scheduled to pitch on Sunday, but because of weather, is now going to start Monday night against the Arizona Dimebacks and Merrill Kelly. That's an interesting matchup. I mean, Arizona's been hitting the ball, but one 
thing that a smart DF got, F got, excuse me, a smart DFSer had told me before, watch for teams that come away from cores, their first couple series. It usually takes them a little while to adjust to quote unquote life as normal back because being away from cores. So this is setting up to be a good matchup for Snell, in my opinion, good hitters park. Obviously we know Snell has a ton of talent. Like you said, he's only got one win on the year. Was it? I had two wins on the season. He, he could be in line for his third tonight. Arizona's a good offense, but look for that adjustment period to make them struggle. And you bring up a great point because it is very tough going from, you know, that home run haven in Coors Field to now facing the most dominant pitcher in the American League that these batters have really never faced before. I'm sure Adam Jones faced Blake Snell last year when he was with Baltimore. But for the most part, all these guys are seeing Blake Snell for the first time. And what makes Blake Snell so amazing is it's almost impossible to pick up his pitches a good point interleague i didn't think of it that way but yeah that so this is like a double whammy in terms of changes for arizona going away from cores going to american league park uh another guy that has seen snell on arizona recently is blake swihart i don't know if he'll be starting but he's at least seen him with his red sox days i'm a, as a, as i told you before i'm a huge red sox fan i was a little sad that they released him but i'm i'm glad to see he found a home in the desert Surprise, Arizona hasn't played him at catcher yet. They're going with guys like Carson Kelly. I know they got Alex Avila on the DL that they're waiting to come back, but just hand the keys over to the future and Blake Swihart and throw him at catcher. Never been a great defensive catcher. He was adequate, adequate, but the Red Sox did have two really good defensive catchers and Vasquez and Leon. So are you telling me it could be Kelly pitching to Kelly? Have they, it has Arizona had that so far? Uh, I don't, I have not seen a Kelly to Kelly combo, but it's possible. Fun fact, fun fact, Tampa Bay and Arizona, didn't they both come into the major leagues about the same time? They did, didn't they? That's another one. So we got a, a lot of what they call in the industry narratives going here tonight. Narratives indeed. Let's take those narratives to Milwaukee, where Julius Chassin is on the mound hosting the Washington Nationals and Max Mad Dog Scherzer. Chassin is another soft-tossing starting pitcher. He can't throw the ball by anyone, but on the other side of that matchup, Scherzer can. So I guess the question here is, do we believe Scherzer's slow start, or is he going to turn it around? I'm going to say his slow start is unfortunately what we should expect for the rest of the season. When you look at Scherzer at the end of last year, I believe it was three of his last five starts or five of his last seven starts. He gave up three earned runs or more. He's no longer that eight innings, two earned run, 10 strikeout guy that made him the top notch fantasy pick year after year. This year he went round one, but I believe that's too high. And as far as this matchup goes, those Milwaukee bats at home, they're hungry. They know his fastball's got no more movement, and they're going to crush it. Four years old, and he has a lot of miles on the tire, so to speak. So I can see that. And, yeah, you mentioned power. Uh, Left-handed bats really are able to hit homers at, off of Scherzer. I mean, years past, it's always been solo homers, but now there seems to be more traffic on base, and that's what gets him in trouble. So an interesting matchup, but you're probably staying away from Scherzer in cash games. I don't see Scherzer as a guy I trust unless he's facing a team like the Marlins at this point. 
What about what about Shasin? Is this Nationals offense really that scary without Bryce Harper this year? Just went on the IL. If I yeah, and Rendon, Trey Turner. About a banged up lineup. That's not uh, what you would expect out of the Nationals of old. But yeah, that lineup doesn't scare you. But again, I would be hesitant to use Shasin in a cash game for sure. Let's go to St. Louis, where Miles Mikolas is pitching on the mound for the Cardinals, going up against Vince Velasquez and the Phillies. Matchup with different styles of starting pitcher. Mick, Michaelis is a control artist who really doesn't throw hard, while Velasquez is almost the complete opposite of it. Um, good pitchers park, as I mentioned before. This is a weather threat. We'll have to keep an eye and make sure that they're able to play this game. Um, I don't. I, I. I can't say I love either arm here, um, and, and maybe Philadelphia bats. Are you looking there? Uh, Philadelphia bats. I'm not. I mean, you got to go with that potential just because you look at that front of that lineup. Andrew McCutcheon, he can definitely get on base. Segura, that guy is one, maybe the most underrated player in baseball. I feel Segura is the best number two hitter in baseball in the game by far. Can you think of anyone off the top of your head who's a better? They bat Betts and Trout, number two, right? Oh, well. So, all right, we're going to go on the low-end names. So, you know, like, yes, those guys are Hall of Famers, most likely. I know it's a little early for bets, But, Segura, let's keep going with this line. Bryce Harper, Hoskins, Rio Muto. That's a lot of offense right there. Now, Adubal Herrera is healthy as well. The question is... Do you like Vince Velasquez, who has a 2.73 ERA on the season? He is usually prone to giving up seven earned runs, but not this year. This year, he's been lights out. Does he keep it up? Again, as you mentioned with me, do you look at the Washington offense and does it scare you? Not really. Is the St. Louis offense that scary? Uh, Carpenter really hasn't done much. I know Azuna has been hot recently. But anyone else really stand out to you that can really do damage to you? If Goldschmidt gets that pitch, there's potential there. Recently, not great, not cold either. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of, this is like a lukewarm game to me. And, and to get back to the Philadelphia side of the ball, you had mentioned in their lineup, they have Franco hitting eighth. And the last I checked, wasn't he in the mid to upper 20s for RBI? Out of the eighth spot in the National League? That's incredible. Yeah has been tearing it up. Paul Goldschmidt's quietly having a productive year. He's got nine home runs. He's hitting 244, which is well beneath his average. But remember last year when he started out with Arizona, it seemed like he had, what, three, four home runs at this point of the year? That Yeah, I, I remember through the end of May, he, people were like, oh my gosh, for season long, do I trade him now because I don't know how much I'm getting for him or is it just I keep him because I'm not going to get anything for him. And those people, it paid off. Yeah, Goldschmidt has nine homers. Did, did he hit three in a game against Milwaukee? That was like the first series of the year, so you take that away. He's only got six up to that. But, I mean, those home runs count, obviously. But, yeah, not a ton of power recently, I don't believe. I believe Goldschmidt gets above 40 this season. Homers? No, not in that ballpark. And that's a tough park to hit in. The other NL Central parks, Pittsburgh's not fun to hit at. Obviously, Wrigley is. And what's the other one? Oh, Milwaukee. That's a home run hitting park. Hmm. I'd still say no. 
would know with that one. But we're going to go to Chicago where Cole Hamels in his 3.19 ERA with a perfect 3-0 record. Try to continue that streak against the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is on the mound. You got to like Hamels here. I know I haven't done my homework. I saw Miami was really pathetic against righties. I'm going to assume they're not that much better against lefties. Um, but again, this is a slight weather risk. There could be a delay in there. Um, you kind of have to, anytime you're going against Miami, you kind of have to like the opposing pitcher, don't you? Cole Hamels, he kind of struggled last year, but this year he's starting to look vintage. The Cubs pitching staff, you look at John Lester, his ERA is below two. Quintana is one of the leaders in strikeouts. Cole Hamels should definitely have a good start, but you know, fan, daily fantasy baseball, you cannot, you can never rule out the impossible. And the impossible in this example right here would be a Miami Marlins stack of Starling Castro, Martin Prado, and then for good measure, let's throw in Brian Anderson and Jorge Alfaro. Do you see any magic in that? Uh, again, we mentioned narratives before. Castro played many years in Chicago. Um, does he come back to Wrigley and hit a homer? I've seen stranger things, but I'm not calling for it. About that Cubs offense, are you going to stack them against Sandy? I could. I mean, we've seen really good hitting out of them recently. I believe at one point in the season, they were two and eight and six games under 500. Since then, they've been basically the opposite, probably eight to 10 games above 500. So they're winning games. They're scoring runs. And Javi Baez is proving that last year's near MVP campaign is no fluke. That's for sure. Yeah, Baez is hot. Anthony Rizzo had a big week. Wilson Contreras has been a stud all season. Kyle Schwarber started out hot. He's kind of fading, and same with Jason Hayward. I know Chris Bryant, that's a guy who I left out. He's even starting to turn a little on these pitches and send some into the seats. He's the key for the Cubs lineup. I mean, he's really had a slow start, as you mentioned, but has started to hit the ball better. <clears throat> Excuse me. They bat him number two, and as, if he gets going, then I, I would look for big things out of the, the, the Cubs offense. There's another number two hitter, but still, Gene Segura might even be better than Chris Bryant at the end of the day. At this point right now, you'd have to say that Segura is the more productive player. Let's keep it going. We're in Houston, where Garrett Cole, with a 2-4 and four record, is hosting the Kansas City Royals, who got Jacob Junis. Strange matchup. I mean, Cole was fantastic last year was a favorite for the Cy Young much of the year until he faded a bit down the end. Uh, I, I, first glance, I would say I like Cole in this matchup. Um, but Kansas City's been surprisingly effective offensively. They've had, they had a good weekend offensively in Detroit. And they're one, two batteries at the top of the lineup and then combine them with Dozier. Wow, they're a little under the radar good. Is that fair to say? Um, I wouldn't say that the Royals are a scary team. Yes, they can beat up on some bad pitching on a typical day, but Garrett Cole, the reason why people draft him in season-long leagues are for matchups like these, and we're daily fantasy people, so we can plug him in our lineup when we choose. I can see 10 strikeouts against that Royals offense. That really does not have the pop to hit anything out of that ballpark against Cole. 
Kansas City has beat, beat up on poor pitching. The more I think of it, I think on Saturday they scored 15 runs against the Tigers. They, you've seen some offensive explosions from them, but mainly from poor starting pitching and poor offenses. Yeah, so I, I at first glance, I was like, wow, this is a great night for arms, and Cole was right near the top of them. And so you've kind of sold me that uh, that first glance is a good way to go. Looking at that Astros offense also, you know, they scored a ton of runs in Mexico this weekend. Alex Bregman might as well be on steroids with how hot he's swinging the bat right now. Do you see Junis lasting more than five innings in this game? Junis has a effective start to the season, uh, but he's a handful of bad outings uh, to go with some really good ones. Yeah, you'd have to think... Houston's lineup is sort of the American League uh, equivalent of the Phillies lineup where they're just loaded from top to bottom and they make the opposing pitcher work. So I think Houston's offense will get to the West Coast where the San Diego Padres and Chris Nick Knack Paddock is on the mound against the former Cy Young pitcher and Jacob DeGrom in the Mets. I started looking at my pitching for today. I looked at this matchup was like, wow, not a lot of people will look at Paddock and say, wow, but this is, has the potential to be an excellent starting pitcher matchup. We know how good DeGrom is. He showed in his last start. Let's hope if you're a Mets fan that he's fully healthy and ready to go. And if watch Paddock pitch, he is a really fascinating young pitcher with a ton of potential you like about Paddock so much as a pitcher? What stands out to you? Aggressive. He has a style that's similar to Trevor Bauer, where he's a little unorthodox about how he attacks batters. And that kind of keeps the, the batters guessing and a little bit off balance more than a normal, let's say you're Max Scherzer and you know a 95 mile per hour straight fastball is coming. Paddock has an excellent curve and an excellent change. And he does a really good job is mixing up his pitchers for such a young guy. I like the analysis and on top of that, you know, you look at that Mets offense, they're really not a scary bunch at all. Not at all. As we've seen over the weekend, they they played about an 18 inning game on Saturday night and scored, what was it, three runs, not many runs on Sunday. So, yeah, you would have to say if this was uh, late in the season, this would be a terrific pat- pitching mat- matchup once people realize how good Paddock is. Yeah, because you, you look at Jacob DeGrom's Cy Young year, I don't remember how many wins he had off the top of my head, but I believe it was like around 10, something ridiculously low. Is this going to be one of those starts where it reminds us of the Cy Young year that he had, where he just doesn't get the run support but still pitches like a beast? If you're of the philosophy that what he did in his last start is who he really is, and yes, I know there were rumors and they, he was scheduled to get an MRI. Then he said he had the flu and was just sick and wasn't feeling good. Who knows why he went through like a three or four start stretch where he was pedestrian average at best. He was below average, really. And then last start, he was fantastic. I think he is fantastic. If he's fully healthy, I have no problem rostering him. But get him back to that fantastic level for every single start for the rest of the season? It could be. Uh, I, I'm, as long as his arm is healthy, I think he, he could get back to that level.
gonna tell you is if he grew out that long hair that he once had back when he was in this well i mean he can't compete with thor's hair so might as well just shave it off right probably why he had to cut it off at the end of the day right i agree with you there let's stay out west we're in los angeles we got walker bueller on the mound hosting the braves braves look like they're gonna go with kevin gossman is the rumored starter for that one dodgers braves what do you see happening ESPN says Max Freed, but yeah, I know there's been some questioning, so maybe we'll have to keep an eye out who they really use here. But yeah, Bueller's been disappointing. He was one of the, uh, supposed to be the new ace of the Dodgers taking over for Kershaw, but it hasn't really pitched to that level yet. What do you expect out of him? Can't really trust him because when you look at his season, he really only had like one amazing start, which was against Cincinnati, where he went six shutout innings with eight Ks. Besides that, he's giving up runs left and right. The Braves offense isn't really in particular hot. Freddie Freeman's not doing that well. Okuna Matata has fallen off the map completely. It's really been Ozzy keeping that offense at pace. But Bueller's at home. He pitches better at home historically. I'm going to say he can bounce back and be a threat, but he's still not a guy I want to roster in fantasy baseball. Interesting. That's a good way to put it. I know Acuna went four for four on Saturday, but then was mysteriously held out of the lineup yesterday, Sunday, because of a nagging injury, they're saying. So we'll, we'll have to make sure that Acuna is in there. If he isn't, you have to like Bueller more. But I, I like your philosophy there that you need to see more out of Bueller before you trust him for your cash games. Last home run from Acuna came on April 16th. Uh, that's disappointing for a guy that was drafted, what, in the middle to late of the first round as a 21-year-old. No doubt about that, especially because you could have drafted a superstar like Javi Baez. We'll be back right after Beast or Bust. Beast or Bust, I'm your host, Muncher Domus, joined once again by Mark Parquette. It is time for the rapid-fire, hard-hitting, do-you-start-this-guy-in-daily-fantasy-baseball for the next day. Mark, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's shoot. Let's go get some winners tonight. All prices are based on FanDuel. Number one at pitcher, $10,500, Max Scherzer at Milwaukee. You scared me off him. I, I'm kind of wary to begin with. I'm a huge fan of his because in my main season-long league, he's my ace, and I like to follow that closely, but I just can't trust him at that price right now. Bust. I agree, and if you're paying that much for a pitcher, you better get not only a quality start but 10Ks, and nothing's guaranteed about that one. So I'm going to go bust as well. Let's keep at that same game. We're going to go with maybe the front runner for MVP at $4,700. Christian Yellick, does he smash a bomb off Scherzer? Well, if you don't believe in Scherzer, then you kind of have to buy Yellick. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive there. But if anyone's going to do some damage against Max, it's going to be Christian. So let's go boom. You're going boom with the beast. I'll tell you this. I feel his price is a little too high. He did hit a home run Sunday, his first game back, but the price is a little high. I'm not going to pay up for it. I'm going to say bust, despite the fact I don't believe in Scherzer's well. 
I got you. I got you. Yeah, I didn't take price into consideration. I could see that as a, really a challenge to building your lineups with a guy that expensive. Keep it rolling. This time we are in Toronto. We are going with the man who hit his first RBI. Fun fact on Vlad Guerrero Jr. His first RBI, he knocked in Justin Smolak. Justin Smolak's first ever career RBI, he knocked in Vlad Guerrero Sr. Now here's the question. Does Vlad Guerrero Jr. smash Martin Perez? Yes, he's a beast. He's going to get into beast mode, and that's a terrific stat. I, that's one of those things that make you just love baseball right there. Yeah, it makes you realize that there's no coincidences in this world, and that's something special right there. And I'm with you as well. I believe a beast performance is there. He's getting all the jitters out of the way. He's returning home. I believe he will be a productive player. Beast, let's keep it going. We are going to San Diego, where maybe the most overpaid baseball player in the history of the game, second baseman Robinson Cano at $2,900. Beast or bust? Well, you heard how I said I love Paddock. So if I love Paddock, I'm not going to like Cano. I think Paddock really shuts the whole Mets offense as a whole down, including Robinson Cano. So he's a bust. I agree with you, too. And uh, with Robinson Cano, who knows if he's even going to have anybody on base. So you're really depending on that solo shot, something like that. It's just not even worth it to go there. Bust as well. Let's go to St. Louis. We're going to look at the third baseman who's starting to heat up just a tad. But does Matt Carpenter at $3,200 get it going against Vince Velasquez? Yikes, that price is appetizing, huh? Ah, $3,200 against the hard-throwing Velasquez. Hmm. I will say I like it, so I'm going to go beast, but it's not my strongest endorsement ever. How about you? Where are you leaning here? Lean towards beast because I know you can't depend on Matt Carpenter to steal a base, but he did steal one last week. But most important, if he gets on base, he's most likely going to score because there's enough talent behind him. There, I don't like that he's a leadoff hitter because he is capable of getting 100 RBIs if he hits in the middle of a lineup. But you can make the best of it and he can lead the majors and runs. If he can get on base, he'll score. I'm going to say beast. Yeah, so that sounds like a very strong cash game play because you're looking for run score getting on base that type of thing i like it let's go with our last beast or bust of the day he's starting to heat up just a bit but is it enough to push him over the edge he's got a righty righty matchup at forty three hundred dollars jd martinez at andrew kashner in baltimore not that he was a major disappointment yesterday, but he was on base, scored a run, uh, I believe, and drove in a run maybe. Um, but he hasn't gone long ball in a while. Is he due? Yeah. Let, I, last year, he hit great at Camden Yard. So I, I'm going to go a lukewarm beast here. I'm going to go bust just because at 4,300, he has to hit the home run. And now there is potential that he can because Andrew Kashner does leave pitches over the middle of the plate. That 4.71 ERA lets you know that's the truth. But the home run power swing doesn't seem to be there. Let me ask you this, Mark. How many home runs do you see J.D. Martinez hitting on the season? Well, he's going to struggle to get to last year's level, which was near 40 or slightly above 40. Um, Probably in the 30 to 35 range, I see him. 
And that's interesting. You mentioned his price at 4,300. I know today, I believe it was 4,100. So for him to go up, it must be almost park dependent there because he hasn't been on fire or anything like that. So that is a, a steep price for him. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, Mark, you survived Beaster Bust, and we will be back with final thoughts. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This is Muncher Domus with Mark Parkett. We're going to go over the final thoughts of the day, anything that stands out. So, Mark, let me just recap a little bit what, based off of our conversation, the top stacks of the day were. We're looking at Boston as a potential stack. Would you say yes or no to that? Interesting one. I mean, Cashman has been pretty good, like you said, but you have to love the Red Sox offense in the, in the hitters park. That's Camden Yards. And if they get the Cashner early, Baltimore's bullpen is really bad. So it's kind of a boom or a bust uh, choice right here. Uh, I'm going to say boom, but again, I'm not overly strong about it. Okay. I believe there's potential as well. And since baseball is a game where the slightest inch of contact on a bat can make the difference in the world, those guys are too talented. I'm going to say go ahead and roll them out. Another stack that had both of our attention vaguely, we didn't get too much in the depth, but what about that Toronto snack stack? I could go for a snack. A Toronto stack against Martin Perez. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Vlad. They also have some other good right-handed hitters and Grichek. And, you know, Smoke is a switch hitter. Getting back home may, may cure some ills. I know they had a tough weekend in Texas. Uh, that's a good hidden park at uh, Toronto. So, yeah, I like that matchup. I mean, Perez may be the weakest starting pitcher on the, the hill. So, you, if you like to pick on the weak starting pitcher, go for it that he's the weakest starting pitcher because his ERA is below 3.5 he's 4-0 on the record but I understand what you're saying historically that guy usually ends up but I'm going to pick one more pitcher who I believe is worse than Martin Perez with our next stack the Chicago Cubs how do you see them going up against Sandy Alcantara yeah that's a good one yeah Alcantara and and Perez are probably down near the bottom, um, as well as the Red Sox Velasquez guy. He's not going to go deep, so he's not going to get a ton of fantasy points. But yeah, I mean, it should be a good hitting night in, at Wrigley. The Cubs offense is is stacked and ready to go, and I, I like that matchup. And again, much like Baltimore, Miami's bullpen isn't good, so as soon as you get Al Contreras out of the game, you should still continue to hit. And the problem with Sandy is, yes, he throws almost 100 miles per hour, but when he faces a lot of veteran hitters, especially on the road, it can really start to get under his skin that they're taking so many pitches. He starts walking batters. He's in now got pressured situations with runners in scoring position and big bats like Rizzo, Javi Baez, Contreras. I see the Cubs offense really just hammering it and getting that, that run support for Cole Hamels. That's great to to realize, and I will keep that in mind when I'm designing my lineup. So, speaking of designing lineups, I mean, who's your favorite cash pitcher of the night? My favorite cash pitcher of the night? I feel you can play it safe. We talked about him earlier, Cole Hamels. If he's going to get the run support, he should get the quality start. He should get the W. But like I said earlier, 
it does not hurt to make that impossible stack. The impossible, not the impossible burger, but the impossible stack, which is Martin Prado, Starlin Castro, might even throw Rojas in there, might throw Alfaro in there. Just in case, you know, it doesn't hurt to have that insurance when you're playing like a 25 cent GPP on FanDuel to win 1K. When you're throwing out 150 lineups, go completely contrarian and hope that they go off. Uh, are you going to try to pay up for Cole or is he too expensive? Well, when you look at the pitchers below, there's really no one that stands out as like a superstar option. Uh, you can pay up. You can pay up for Garrett Cole tonight as not Cole Hamels, but Garrett Cole. But if you want to save $2,500 and turn a shortstop like Orlando Garcia into Javi Baez, you can go with Cole Hamels tonight. I like that about Hamels. You can spend down here and spend on him and spend up on bats in that Cubs lineup. That's a good, maybe a good way to go so you don't have to go with that top tier pitching. I like it. Well, let's end on that note. Mark, I appreciate you joining us once again. Oh, thank you for having me. I hope we can do this many more times. We definitely will. For all of you listening out there, win daily DFS.com to meet all your daily fantasy baseball needs. And don't forget to pick up the book, Win Daily by Jason Mezrahi. Winning Daily Fantasy Sports and Life. You can pick that up on Amazon for only 99 cents. For I am Muncher Domus. You can follow me on Twitter at Muncher Domus. Have a beautiful Monday. Beast.